We are your evening explorationists. Please, allow me to show you something. Welcome to an episode where two average and definitely unqualified college students analyze and reflect on lessons in literature and relate them to past, present, and future experiences. Hit up our website to find out more about your evening explorationists listed in the description. So it would be common to feel empty after that last episode because, honestly, we, we didn't really tell you the answer of the scenario that we presented. The So you've got no money in the bank, deep in college, or even out of it, and you think, where am I going next? Um, we merely provided the background on how to approach this question uh, of where to go next. Um, in this episode, we'll actually tell you how you can start today in your process of being successful. Hey, it's Nate. And hey, it's Cody. Welcome back to another episode from your Evening Explorationist. Today, we will once again talk about the psychology of money. Well, let's start talking about movies, all right? So have you ever watched a movie or seen a social phenomena that's just shifted your perspective or attitude towards something? Yeah, actually. So more recently, I watched the movie No Time to Die. The last uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. I shed tears, honestly. I want to admit it. (laughs) Now, if you're a James Bond fan out there and you have not seen the movie, I have a spoiler alert, so be aware. But it has truly impacted me on the way I view relationships and more specifically, like, love in your relationships. Uh, So throughout the movie, Bond was fighting a couple of enemies, but the main focus was on this bioweapon that can be programmed to kill a specific person or group of people, right? And Bond is is notorious for hanging around many women, but he met one who he truly loved. Now, towards the end of the movie, Bond's love was taken by one of Bond's enemies. And to keep a long story short, when Bond confronted this villain one-on-one, the villain attacked Bond with this bioweapon with DNA implanted in him that if he ever touched the love of his life or his daughter, they would die. Now, I, as you can imagine, it, it definitely hit and it was like jaw-dropping, like, wow, this is, this is crazy. So when Bond came to this realization, he called the love of his life and told her that he would rather die than not be with her. Ultimately, he ends up dying at the end of the movie. It was truly heart-wrenching, but there is a lesson to be learned from his actions. Relationships and love are some of the most important things as human beings. Like, think about it. From the time we are young to your teens, to your young adulthood, to your adult and older stages, we are always surrounded by people that we love and care for. In my personal experience, it was not until the beginning of college that I truly understood why relationships in our lives are crucial to our survival and well-being. Bond's heroics and sacrifice really opened my eyes to this idea that if you simply cannot give someone your everything, and I'm talking in your friendships, business connections, and in your love life, if you cannot give those people your all, there's no point in being in this relationship. It really hit home the importance of giving your all in all of your relationships because in turn, you will get everything out of the person you are connected with. Uh, We will discuss relationships in future episodes, but I wanted to share my thoughts on the Bond movie with you. And I know that you had watched it, but it's kind of my take. I think think if we were to make another podcast, it'd be... Simply about why Daniel Craig is the best James Bond of all time. <laughs> that is facts there. <laughs> um, but moving on, so for me, personally, I watched this new movie called Dune. Uh, I won't get into it because it is new. I don't want to spoil it. Um, 
The movie had very vast landscapes and images that made you say, holy green screen, but, but also it said, wow, that's really beautiful. Um, I'd actually related it to Star Wars, and I am a complete nerd, for those who don't know, um, of Star Wars, but this Dune movie was also like Star Wars in the way that it was a, a coming-of-age movie, like a prophecy, uh, it's action sci-fi with a lot of you know, advanced technology. A anyway, um, the comparison between the 1970s Star Wars sci-fi and the 2020s sci-fi was the music. Like, think about it. Are there really trumpets or French horns in the Death Star? Like, on Hoth, were there really cymbals? It, it seemed kind of basic to just allow the Western influence of music take control of the movie. This movie, um, like I had said, had created new sounds. I, I can't really describe it to you. You have to watch it, but... I, I guess the best way that I can describe it is the notes are longer, the rhythm of the songs just melt into the sounds of the desert, um, and the intensity of the notes and vocals had just vocally described the images we were seeing and it was really amazing to actually hear those futuristic notes and I think the soundboard really uh, contributed to the success and legit personality of the movie. So to recap, Dune made me appreciate the purpose of personality and how important character is to me. Now everything big you see, similar to these movies, that influences you in some way is what the book calls a tale event. Basically, they're really big events that shift the focus of the people. Now, these are some examples of movies, but you also have to think about things like Amazon or a popular comedic act uh, and say a lucrative investment that, that was way ahead of its time um, are also considered tale events. So, so these events influence the world and people's thoughts, but it's easy to sit back and say, you know, flaws were a thing of the past. Those, those influencers you hear are really a product of their failures. For instance... Jeff Bezos um, said, quote, if you think the fire stick was a big failure, we're working on much bigger failures right now. Chris Rock had to pull a Joker. I don't know if you've seen the movie, new movie Joker, where he laughs at his own jokes in front of the crowd. He says, quote, I did about 40 or 50 shows to get ready for the tour. So, so in reality, there's more to the success of people than what's on the outside or in the news. Yeah, while you were talking, it kind of brought me back to um, what I was talking about uh, with James Bond and learning about relationships. And I know he had said that we were going to tell you guys about uh, relationships in further episodes, but I kind of took this on a more personal note that I thought I would share with you. It, so if, picture, if you picture this, so on the outside of a person you see walking around campus, uh, they're a super happy go-getter that seems to really have their shit together. But with like further analysis, as your connection with this person grows deeper, you start to really understand the misfortunes and even achievements that have brought them to this point. And that is what making connections and relationships is all about. Really diving deep into this person to really understand the shoes they have walked in. It's also important to take an inward look. And for me, something that I don't often share are some of the personal struggles that I have faced, uh, but have made me the person I am today. And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but um, it's for me too often, I think that my friendships, relationships, and connections are falling apart for really no reason. It's kind of strange, but it's just something that goes on in my head. It's like this wave of doubt and fear crawl over me that the people in my life are not here because 
they like me or appreciate me, but more that they have to be there. Like they have to be my friend. They have to be connected with me. It's, it's not, they want to be there for me. Now I won't dive deep into it, but instead of being anxious of uh, this fear and doubt, I've learned to combat them. I have learned that reaching out often, making my friends and connections feel appreciated and thought of and truly being vulnerable with them has allowed for these anxious feelings around my relationships to diminish. I know it's not quite a business perspective, but it's something for me that I had to deal with similar to a failure in a business and turn it into something good and something rich. And I think it's important to mention that when we're talking in this episode, it might sound like we're jumping along, jumping around a lot, but stay with us because we're going to bring it all back together. So that's that's a great uh, topic, the relationships and relating that to failures and, and the anxiety you get. But I do want to bring up wealth. So what is wealth? Wealth can be described as money you have that people do not see. And building wealth has little to do with returns and income and more with just saving money. Wealth is hidden in income not spent and riches are visible and tangible. When people say they want to be a millionaire, typically they mean they want to spend a million dollars. And riches make people look inward and say, I don't know, I want to be him, rather than respecting the actual hustle and grind. An example uh, that came up was Rihanna in that uh, she sued her financial advisor for letting her buy all these jewels and um, these riches, basically. And uh, it was funny. The financial advisor came out and said, I mean, what was I supposed to do? Tell her when you buy things, you get the things and not the money? I I don't know. I thought that was funny. (laughs) That's funny. I was listening to a podcast during the summer and it was Dave Ramsey, a famous financial advisor and motivational speaker uh, that I highly recommend you and the listeners to uh, take a look into. Uh, And from his conversation, I learned a common misconception about quote, being a millionaire. So to be a millionaire does not mean you need to have a million dollars sitting in the bank. What it means is a combination of all your current assets minus all of your liabilities. For instance, if your house is fully paid off, you have investments and you have money in the bank, plus other things that hold value, these are all of your assets that ultimately add to your goal of being a millionaire. The title of this podcast was Everyday Millionaires. He would receive calls from random people around the country and they would tell him their age, education, and their total assets. You would not believe the age range of these people and many times their wealth did not come from inheritance, it was saved by them through their understanding of financial literacy. I think this relates to your idea of hidden wealth because when I sit here and ask you to think of someone who is rich, nine times out of 10, you would think of a celebrity or top CEO. Mm -hmm. These everyday people of all ages working your average jobs and bringing in average income are millionaires. It's simply amazing to think that what was once a dream can be a reality by saving and understanding your money. So right, so like that getting getting that money requires that risk or the strategy uh, and planning. But but actually keeping the money involves a slight fear of, of risk, of losing it. So not to criticize Rihanna because let's be honest, who doesn't want to be Rihanna? But I mean, she did lose a lot of money and a lot of celebs would burn out like this early because again, they're rich and not wealthy, like you had said. Um, I'm saying this in good nature. She's currently doing well, but it's for the sake of the discussion. Since she's financial stable now, whatever. So coming back to reality, quote, you need short-term paranoia to keep you alive long enough to exploit long-term optimism, quote. Tolerating the slow but massive re- return that Cody described and you'll receive through compounding, quieting that ego and accepting that, well, shit happens is the mindset. Um, but that is ideal for you to hold on to your money. 
But don't get it twisted. I mean, driving a fast car and having a large house is fun. And oh my gosh, absolutely, it's okay to spend a portion of money. But only if the objects bring you joy. And like Cody had said, you're going to have a dream house, car, job, whatever it may be, which he had mentioned in the Law of Attraction episodes. But you also have to decide, you know, how much is enough? And that's the big question. And how can you be happy once you've reached those dreams? We talked about this in the previous episode, and um, as I had said, it's different for everyone, but, but ultimately, being happier with less may invoke that ego to hush, I think. I often see, scrolling through my wild Instagram Explore page, the abundant posts of investing and money motivation videos, where you see this handsome dude in a nice suit, driving a fast car, pulling up to a massive house, and on the next post, it says in bold letters, do you want to look rich or be rich? Despite its generic and really comedic nature, there really is some truth behind these posts. If you spend all of your money on things like designer clothing, fast luxury cars, and massive houses, but struggle to pay the bills on them, each month, are you really rich? Now, I'm not downplaying anyone who does happen to fit this image because I'm not one to judge how one spends their money, but it is not the path I would take. Instead, why not have extra money in the bank or extra money in investments and live under your means until you're able to afford that nice car or large house with ease? I think what it truly is, if you can be happier with less, you can save more and just save. This concept is important to understanding risk when having that cushion to just have in case of an emergency or sudden change in the stock market. We went over some examples of this, but finding that margin to have more wealth than riches is key to your financial survival and will demonstrate your ego as well as your true wealth. And now everyone's wondering, okay, so what's the strategy? How do you get to that wealth? But in order to learn about how to achieve this true wealth that we just discussed, I think we should talk about Warren Buffett. He is a notorious investor who gained colossal returns from Berkshire Hathaway around a decade ago, I think, mm -hmm. and, um, and one of the richest people, currently sitting at $115.6 billion in 2022. I'm actually doing the Trump hands right now, if Cody can see. The book says, quote, if you remove just a few of Berkshire's top investments, its long-term track record is pretty average, quote. Interesting, right? So as wealthy as this guy is, how did he receive, and I'm getting this, these stats from the book, how did he receive $81.5 billion after the age of 50, in which before turning 50, he had roughly only, and I, <laughs> I hastily say only, he only had $3 billion prior to that. I mean, why was he so average, minus the lucky investments, but still had dough in the bank? The answer is he compounded his money. This is a simple strategy of consistently putting money away monthly or weekly into a savings or investment fund. Granted, he began when he was 10, he had an incredible amount of money to put in, but the idea is there to consistently put away so much of a paycheck, starting early at whatever age you are right now, and there's really no limit. You can even start with a piggy bank or massive mutual fund, wherever you are. Quote, you don't need a tremendous force to create tremendous results, quote. I think this relates back to the tail events part that we were talking about because you think about those massive events like the Berkshire Hathaways where Warren Buffett was lucky enough. I mean, he wasn't lucky. He was obviously a very smart man financially, but he had a strategy to get to make that big move and not all of us have that. So it is critical because putting away money into savings or investment fund will add up on top of money you put in. So there's a consistent way and there's a way to get that money quickly. 
And there are many ways to get rich, like I had said. But to become wealthy, it really takes time and consistent effort over time. You'll silently collect that money. It's kind of like comparison that, that we talked about regarding popular music and that it's a, it's a get-rich-quick method versus growing your wealth over time. Um, it's important to understand, and I don't know if I clarified this since I forgot to add it in the previous episode, but I do want to say some people want to get rich quickly because they lived in poverty or financially slow household. That's like, it's like when lower-income families spend thousands or whatever a year um, on lottery tickets, and your initial reaction is like, well, I mean... If you would have just saved that, you'd have more money. And yeah, that's true. But remember, no one is crazy. They might see it differently. And their perspectives are most likely different and skewed to their upbringing, as everyone's is. And in light of that perspective, we urge you to see ours. We're just providing a stable, lucrative investment in yourself that requires discipline, moderation, not a lot of studying, a little bit of work to find out the patterns and the historical trends, but a more philosophical and detailed approach. Whenever you say uh, a lucrative investment in yourself, I want you to keep that in your mind and listeners keep that in your mind as well because I have a, an analogy uh, that I have noted here uh, that I'm going to share in a little bit. But as I explained before, anyone and everyone has the power to build wealth like you have been saying and through saving and investing. Now, it is truly is not a difficult task, but one that proves to be challenging for many people. Now, take the time to understand your money as a tool and not an object. Utilize your tools to make greater things and more money will soon follow. But for starters, you have to save. Save, save, save. Now, financial literacy you had mentioned earlier also plays a big role. But, um, but I think one of the most important takeaways from this episode that all this relates to um, that you should explore on your own is finding that balance between what amount you can be happy with and what it is you want to achieve. And that'll come with time. And surely with the job, location, or environmental changes, you know, you may experience the margins themselves can change, like the goals. Um, the great thing about this book is that everything comes full circle. This concept about goal setting, uh, perspective, and what other shit we were talking about is what I have been talking about, currently talking about, and will talk about. And, and again, it's entirely you who creates you, as you said. I want to go back uh, to that um analogy that I was alluding to earlier. Uh, I formulated this in my time at college so far. And just one night, whenever I was thinking a little bit philosophically, uh, just kind of pull everything full circle with myself. So it goes, college is an investment into you. You are a small business that has just become public on the stock exchange and you are ready to grow. You continue to sell more and more stocks with the connections you make and the facts you learn. Your company is doing extremely well. You've invested in yourself, a promising young stock prepared for the real world. You are the creator of you, so you have to decide. How much are you willing to invest in yourself to see everything grow? Well, I mean, if we're getting philosophical, this is also metaphorical in a sense. Uh, if you replace that currency with money um, to effort and time, uh, you can really accomplish anything. So say I wanted to be an artist, the da Vinci of our time. Now, how do I do that? I take every day that turns into every week, that turns into every month, that turns into every year, to take time to get inspired, whatever it is, paint, draw, maybe some finger painting, I, I don't know, and, and do whatever is necessary to practice to be that coming-of-age artist. If I consistently put in the time and effort to become who I want to be, I can reap the benefits afterward. And I think discipline is a key here. So to recap all of that long-ass information that we just talked about, 
We're going to start with successful people are a product of their failures. Any large event or company comes at the price of repeated failures that are lessons in disguise. They're just able to make to take that criticism and move forward. Number two, compounding your currency is the key to being wealthy. Whether it's money or time or effort, consistently contributing something to a cause will benefit, benefit you in the long run and you can respect the outcome even deeper. And lastly, wealth is more important and respectful than riches. Wealth teaches you discipline and patience, whereas getting rich can happen to anyone and has potential droughts. Thank you for listening to your Evening Explorationists, and we will talk to you next time.